0: Otherwise I'll just tweak it and figure it out. Yeah. That's a smart thing to do though.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've talked about that too many times on the podcast.
0: (laughs) That's funny.
1: How does sync the audio? (laughs) Oh man.
0: Uh, So it's, it's when you know you're really producing good pod content when you're talking about the creation of the pod for most of the pod. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a podcast's podcast. <laughs> mm. I'm sure there are podcasts about podcasting. Oh that yeah, must be a tons. thing. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, mm. it's great to have you back again. I like this more frequent podcasting. It's kind of a fun weekend
0: activity. Yeah, you know. Well, Rob, what else do I have to do?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're imp- you're 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 a highlight of my uh, Corona life. All right. But, you're, <laughs> but, <laughs> but when all the real shit's going on, it's kind of hard. Sometimes it's hard to find the solid, like, two hour block yeah. to do this. Yeah. And the quiet. That's another part of it. That's kind of be quiet. The quiet time. I feel like it's so, always
1: quiet at home. So, really, this is the time that I get to actually, like, talk and be loud um, just because, you know, Mary is always focused on studying. So Oh, that's like, true. If I'm playing video games or something, I got to put the headphones in and, you know keep yeah. it quiet around can't can't watch movies with the speakers on
0: <laughs> yeah well i as you know as we talked about in the last podcast my home is often not the quiet zone it's mm-hmm. often like less lesson central so yeah yeah um was that a was that a lovely seltzer that
1: you're yeah i've got some uh, uh, berry lacroix
0: yeah I've got a man i was doing pack. just fine but then i saw you drink that and now i really want one but <laughs> i'm stuck here and you know my feet are wet so
1: (laughs) stuck in a in a foot bath
0: yeah yeah i uh i think i might have broken my toe last night it's possible i hit it really hard on the corner of the bed Ah. and then i thought oh you know i've done that a lot of times and it's fine and then i woke up this morning and it's very purple and about Mm. 50 percent larger than the other toes (laughs) not great. it's not good Do you have, we'll see what you,
1: you got some salt water in there? I've heard that salt is really good for swelling.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've got, uh, I'll tell you about my, my uh, partner's concoction she made for yeah, me. Yeah, what you got going on in there? So it's a little tub of water, and I put boiling water in it, and then I tempered that with just some hot bathtub water. Mm. Um, and then my feet were still scalding. <laughs> and then uh, I put a half a cup of Epsom salt. Okay, so that's the yeah. salt water. And then a half a cup of baking soda. Baking soda and some essential oils. I got some uh, peppermint and some frankincense. Ooh, a little tingly. Yeah, apparently that's gonna make it all better. We'll nice. See.
1: Yeah, we'll find yeah. out. Because you can't go to the doctor now.
0: <laughs> no, I think I'd rather just self treat my broken toe than risk getting coronavirus <laughs> yeah, exactly. by going to the doctor. God. So. Oh, it was so. like a broken arm. Probably I'd just go. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I might just be taping this little bad bad boy to the pinky toe. And hoping for the best. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I've heard that they're doing um, 100% corona hospitals in New York um, to kind of help prevent against something like this, where if you have, you know, a broken arm, you're not going to go in there and be exposed. Um, Yeah. But also just there's so many cases in New York, um, and it's actually... Uh, it's slowing things down to have doctors, you know, flip between multiple different types of cases as they go to patient to patient. So having everyone in one place with the same problem, it makes it a lot easier and faster. So, um, yeah, it's it's getting crazy.
0: It is pretty crazy. I'm still kind of surprised we don't in some way have like the military medical court like deployed more well unless maybe you've heard about something that i haven't
1: um i was watching the press conference here and we have the army corps of engineers Mm -hmm. um and they uh came to the javits center so for anyone who doesn't know javits center is our biggest convention center in, in manhattan and it's probably most famous for the New York comic-con. Um, they of course (laughs) hold other conventions throughout the year, but if you've ever seen or been to something like the comic-con, you can just imagine, you know, it's just like a mile of just, you know, expo booths and stuff. So anyway, the army Corps of engineers came in and built uh, a thousand, maybe more than a thousand beds and little curtains around each one. So everyone has their own privacy. Um, I think it's probably more than a thousand. They were also talking about how they have sort of, uh, sequestered or claimed, um, four or five key areas in New York, um, like a racetrack and, um, and a, uh, cruise ship Harbor and mm-hmm. these places that are, have tons of square footage and, um, lots of power, um, electricity going mm-hmm. into it. Um, and they're going to also retrofit those for thousands and thousands of beds, Um, and then they're kind of as backup plan, they're also considering, uh, rotating and busing patients even to other hospitals throughout New York state. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. as Manhattan becomes oversaturated as it kind of already has, you know, you could be bused upstate, you know, to Buffalo or something yeah hopefully not that far, but the the point is uh, spreading out some of this burden uh, that the hospitals yeah. have hmm. um, f- before we get too far into this rambling Corona update, I think, uh, most, most germane to the podcast. Um, I actually was talking to Josh the other day and, um, he has had these like symptoms that he thought was bronchitis and he's like, well, I'm not gonna overblow it and say that it's Corona. Um, so he, he, had to go in for an x-ray after doing a phone consult and they said that actually it might be asthma. And, um, so he was kind of like really annoyed that it would be something like asthma where you have to continue to treat it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but he was, you know, a little bit relieved. Um, anyway, to fast forward a little bit over the next week, his symptoms got worse and he got some other symptoms, uh, which might be embarrassing to mention on the podcast, but uh, (laughs) he did another phone consult with the doctor and the doctor said, you definitely have all of the COVID-19 symptoms and thinks that that is actually what he has. Um, But he can't get tested because they don't have the kits. He's in LA and I guess they don't have enough kits. So
0: my gosh,
1: the doctor has determined that, you know, with reasonable likelihood he has it but uh there's no actual test that he can take to prove definitively um he's doing okay but he says he has a lot of chest pain and um some other symptoms that have been like the worst that he's had in his life um hmm. but he's keeping an eye on it and basically the takeaway. I don't know if this would be helpful for anyone else. Not like you need any more Corona news, but the takeaway was that, you know, um, he, he can stay home, obviously isolate as much as he can and treat the symptoms. He's got a bunch of prescriptions, but, uh, unless he is like having trouble breathing, he's not going to the hospital and unless he's going to the hospital, he's not going to get a test kit. So she's kind of laid it out basically. Um, so that kind of made me think also in the in the grand scheme of things, we have these large numbers that are reported in the news, and that's just the people who are, you know, having the test. There might be thousands, hundreds of thousands of people like Josh who are kind of in this middle ground who do have it, have a chance of passing it on. I mean, Josh is good about quarantining, but he's in a house with his wife and his brother-in-law, so he's definitely passed it on to them um and you know and and none of these people are getting counted in that sort of total count so
0: yeah makes you i mean probably yeah there could even be more cases not counted than counted so yeah dang
1: but he's he's doing okay i mean he feels terrible but he is he's okay breathing the scariest thing is um You know, I've heard that the symptoms can start to go away and then maybe a few days later they come back with a vengeance and you have trouble Mm. breathing and then that's uh, at the point when people need the ventilators. Um, That's Mm. why you have to be at a hospital, but he's not there. Hopefully it'll just kind of subside and he won't need that hospitalization.
0: Yeah, man. Well, that's the first person that I've known then, or I guess that yeah. I don't really know Josh very well, but like, that's the closest connection that I have had so far right. to somebody that's had it. For anyone
1: listening to this podcast, now they have some sort of connection, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dang. Well, we wish Josh a speedy recovery, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe he'll like three, four months from now, I'll be looking back being like, man, I'm glad I got it first. Cause now there's so many people with it Yeah, right. <laughs> and I've not, uh, now I'm immune.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you get that, you get the recovery and the immunity. That'll be good.
0: Yeah. But mm. well, yeah, we wish him the best. Of course, it'd be good to get some updates as things go on. I'm sure you yeah. won't be wanting to do any podcasting for a little while. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, ironically his, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say too much, but his, his job, uh, expects him to keep working. And because he's at home, they're like, yeah, you can rest at home while you work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's radi- really? It's ridiculous. I know. He doesn't even get like uh, a few. I was like, can't you just take a few sick days? I mean, it's fucking coronavirus. And yeah. he says, no, we don't even have sick days. They don't have sick days. I, don't, I thought that was like a legal requirement. But he right, said something yeah. about his company is
0: so small. They don't. They're not required oh, to what? have it. I don't know. It's like a it's like a podcasting company, right? Yeah. Okay. That's weird. That's weird. And also just for like in general, it's in California, right? So yeah. like
1: California typically pretty, pretty liberal labor. minded. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, oh, well,
1: yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't want to get them fired in case anyone's listening. <laughs> right. <but so> right. <laughs> I hope that businesses are being considerate and patient with anyone who is sick. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. Even if you're not sick, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I don't, I don't actually know what a lot of these businesses can do, but there's a lot of, you know, furloughing going on. Yeah. And, uh, my, one of my friends that works for a percussion company up in the Northeast, that's as much as I'll say, Uh (laughs) um, their company, like, I mean, I guess it's probably public knowledge, but they, they, they laid off like are they furloughed like 75% oh, wow. of their workforce and he's lucky enough that he works in digital media and so that's one part they want to keep going uh-huh. but their factories closed down and so all those people are out all the people that fulfilled orders you know like oh man all the people that did like um education content and stuff that's like anyway i basically all non-essential personnel and then a few people that they feel like can help them keep a presence <laughs> that's all they kept. Yeah, so yeah keep the lights on and then apparently like another company that is one of their sister companies like closed everything like you can't even send an email to the company right now it's wow. totally like you get a bounce back no matter what email you send Damn. to so they shut the whole thing down
1: so i yeah. was i was talking to i think mike about this and i feel like the with i don't know all the details of the stimulus package but you know um i did hear on the radio that basically if you're filing for unemployment one of the <clears throat> kind of boosts to this stimulus is um instead of just a regular unemployment pay you will get your full uh s- what you would have normally gotten from your job um up to a $75,000 salary. So like if you made 50-60 grand at your job for 4 months, you will continue to get your full payment through this current wow. period, which yeah, sure that sounds really nice, but then I was thinking but you know, the company then had to lay off the person. Sure that person is getting mm-hmm. some money for for 4 months. I don't know how long this is going to last. But right. um, then after that you know, are they going to be able to go get that same job back? Do they have to go through an interview again? Why not just take the money and give that to the business and say, here, pay your, pay your employees this money that we're giving you, but you have to keep them on the payroll. So that way when this is over, yeah. at least they have a job. I just wish there was some way uh, that they could, yeah, stop the furloughing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um... I don't know why. I mean, you think they would do it that way if they could. I don't. I don't really know why not. I also like. I find this like twelve hundred dollars to like every person that makes less than uh less than seventy five thousand dollars a year like a an interesting like way of handling the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Um, but uh, one thing I saw that was really interesting was uh, I saw a clip of Bernie Sanders on the floor of the Senate, uh, uh-huh. like having to argue about. I guess there were some Republicans holding up the thing because they're like, Well, wait a minute, some people are gonna actually be making a little bit more money than they would have. I saw they, that clip, yeah. <laughs> if they so if they didn't, forbid, this didn't happen at all. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: they make a little bit more than their, you know, fifteen bucks an hour or twelve bucks an hour.
0: Yeah, less than that, probably, yeah. you know. just it depends. Yeah, I don't know what the different minimum wages are in your states, but yeah he's like we wouldn't even be having this discussion if you just passed a minimum wage that was reasonable then <laughs> then people would just be making well you know yeah the right amount <laughs> yeah oh, but it should God. make you think like oh well the government's trying to provide like the minimum they think people can get by on and for some people that's more than they're making so yeah and and hmm. also
1: it's like um i mean maybe it will go f- further if you're not living in new york but i'm just thinking like okay that's like Exciting, I guess it's kind of like, you know, a little extra like tax refund that you would normally get. But mm-hmm. is that really going to address the problem? Because that, you know, th- for example, if, if I were unemployed, which fortunately I get to keep my job cause it's all online anyway. Yeah. Um, if that were the case and this is the, we, we are going to receive s- some money too, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, anyway, I was, if I needed it, it would pay for one half of one month of rent, so yeah. it it wouldn't even bail me out in terms of my next rent payment. But even if it did, oh, let's say my rent was super cheap, um, and it was enough to cover rent. Okay, well, what am I going to do the next month? You know, is the government going to s- send out these checks one after another? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, don't I guess I just don't. Yeah, I don't quite totally get that that um, that part of it. I get the unemployment thing, of course. Like yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I'm happy. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get 1200 bucks, But yeah. I kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe I should just, like, donate it or something to people who actually need it. Because I'm still able to make a little money. So, yeah. I don't know. I
1: was, I was thinking about that, too. Maybe, or maybe, like, it, like put a little bit towards savings. Also, because, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't need it right now, and so part of me wants to, you know, donate it. Um, Another idea I have is, like, how can I support my local businesses? Maybe, like, buy some gift cards at my favorite stores in town. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, good. Because even though places are closed, you know, you can buy a gift card online. I did that for, like, our favorite movie theater where it's like a dine-in movie theater. Mm -hmm. Anyway, stuff like that would be good. But then I'm also thinking I need to save a little bit because I am employed now, but, you know. yeah. Audible is a luxury product in my mind. It's, you know, a $15 membership and if people are losing their jobs, I've seen on Reddit, for example, it's the first thing that they cut, you know, who wants to pay 15 extra bucks for audiobooks, you know, when you can't pay yeah. your bills. So I, I'm not sure that that would really threaten my job uh, in the short term, but it does make me a little worried. So I'm squirreling away a little bit more into my savings, even though, you know, maybe I, I could afford to share it with someone else right now. I'm also yeah, um, yeah. just the economic fear, I guess, of just in case,
0: yeah yeah same with me. I mean, I teach music lessons, so um and they're mm-hmm. significantly more a month than audible <laughs> so i uh I worry about that too you know um do you teach to I, kids I did make or it adults? Clear, I was
1: just curious. Uh,
0: kids so that kids. might be a scenario where like
1: the parents are, you know, maybe the parents are financially impacted and they're thinking, all right, well, maybe the first thing we can cut is this expensive music class.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Now, luckily, a lot of them have been like, this is, I'm so glad we we have this because, you know, they look forward to it during the week because it's, you know, they're just at home all the time and it's good to see another face and keep something going. But, you know, that can change over time as things get tighter. So I don't really... Well, know what's going to happen there
1: i'm sure you but, can get creative when that pops yeah. up and maybe do a sliding scale or something
0: yeah and i already i mean i already kind of am although no one's taken me up on it i i most of my students come from pretty wealthy areas mm-hmm. um but i did say like if anyone is experiencing any income insecurity based on this like please let me know i don't want to stop giving your child lessons just because you know you're worried about that
1: yeah like because oh, otherwise nice. I'm just
0: going to be sitting here teaching nobody anyway. So, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, I want to keep the relationship I and I, and I'm invested in a lot of them, you know, I want to yeah. see them get better. So,
1: yeah. Well, that's great. I was going to, unless you had something else burning on your mind, I actually have been wanting to ask you and just have you talk uh, more about, um, about your business beyond this point because. Oh no,
0: I'm sorry. I lost you there for a minute. I think it might be my connection.
1: But... Okay. Well, fortunately, we have these recordings on the computer, so that will be spotless can you Can you hear
0: me now? I can't. I didn't get your question though okay. so.
1: <laughs> so uh well i was I was thinking about uh before we were recording about how you know you you have a business, and that's really crazy to me because that sounds like I've always thought of you know opening a business is something you do like you know when you're older. But uh, (laughs) the reality is we are older now, I guess. But um, I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel like I would be up to that challenge or that, that risk. Maybe Mm -hmm. I just don't have a particularly strong calling for it. Um, I mean, I've had some fun ideas of things that would be neat to have, like in terms of like a shop or whatever. But I was thinking, well, you know, here I've got a, a friend who has his own business and beyond, you know, telling me like what you're up to now and what the business is all about hopefully you can get to that i was kind of curious to hear sort of the origin story about you know it is a big risk it's a lot of work i imagine so like what what pushed you to you know start the whole thing in
0: the first place you're referring to just like the teaching music right like that Uh,
1: yeah i was thinking beyond this point
0: oh okay Well, Well, that's interesting teaching music, I
1: guess, but whichever one you want to go into.
0: Sure. I mean, well, the teaching, the teaching music kind of just happened. I I wouldn't, it wasn't like a day I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a teaching music business. (laughs) It was just like, I picked up a few students and I picked up a few more and, Uh you know, I feel like it really became a business once I started like actually claiming the money as income on my taxes. (laughs) Before (laughs) that, it was just like a few students here and there. And I'm like, well, you know, whatever. And then now it's like you know majority of my income so of course i I report it um so anyway but then with beyond this point which is my uh it's a percussion an experimental percussion group that i started back in 2014 with a colleague of mine Mm -hmm. um and it is a very small performing group it is a business i mean it's a corporation we filed for all that Back in 2016, actually, is when we ended up getting our articles. So it's not like a corporation, a garage band. <laughs> no, it's a little more formal than that, and mostly mm-hmm. because we we filed for a nonprofit status, and so we're a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. And so what that means essentially is that we can receive uh, donations tax free, and we're also eligible to receive grants from foundations, which is a big part of why like I'm not super worried about what. The coronavirus is going to do to that at least not for right now it might um possibly in the future but a lot of that money that's coming from the foundations they they're saying like we're still going to give you your grants like it's fine so like that's like paying our rent for our studio which is our only real expense we don't get paid salary through that it's like Mm -hmm. we book gigs and then we each get paid as independent contractors it's just kind of a vehicle for us to do our art and um hmm. we do uh, eventually visualize that one day we will be um an artist run organization that is paying like we get paid as administrators hmm. um as well as performers so we, we would earn a salary but that's like still years down the road um we think so um but there are some good models there's a uh, awesome group called third coast percussion also based in chicago that's been around for I think they're coming up on 15 years. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is their 15th year and they are an artist run. They all have a salary. They have a few extra employees too that do administrative work. So then they just perform like they're on the road, like 150 days a year normally. So it's pretty cool. Um, That's kind of what we aspire to one day. Um, But when something like this happens for us, because we don't have any liabilities like salaries, Mm -hmm. um, it's just the rent, really. So hmm. um, that's getting covered right now by mostly by foundations. We have to pay a small amount, but not
1: not, not to interrupt. But I'm I'm <laughs> trying to um, compare this and like level set it for other people listening and and for myself. Like in Brooklyn, I've known plenty of people who have a band. You know, they're on they're on SoundCloud or Spotify even, and um, <clears throat> They play shows, you know, at bars and stuff around the area. Um, and then, you know, some of them are actually a lot more successful. But um, I've, I've talked to them about it, and they, it seems like, you know, they make money per performance. But mm-hmm. um, I've never heard anyone talk about, um, talk about like, m- making a non-profit out of it. So I was um, well, curious. Well, yeah,
0: that's probably because, like there is because we're con- we kind of fit under the umbrella of classical music um, we're all classically trained and so there are a lot of um foundations and people who want to donate to that they consider i guess high art which is kind of like sad in a way but y- you could theoretically make a nonprofit out of your like um your like rock band or pop band um but I think typically those groups find it's more um, more beneficial to not have that because it also being a nonprofit also limits you. Like, um, you know, the goal is to not make a profit, really. So you can pay yourself as an employer or as like a contractor, but there's not like a like if you signed a record deal, let's say, that would be really hard to mitigate as a nonprofit, where you would have like this profit coming in from the record sales um like you could do it but it would have to all stay in the nonprofit. you couldn't just like take those earnings amongst all of you as like payment that would be like if oh, that's what a for-profit company does um so um there are some benefits to uh to staying not or to staying a for-profit thing as a pop group because you're more likely to get picked up in that sense than you are as a non-profit like so we kind of think like what we do is the service we provide to the world is that we create um artistic experiences and we advance the the art form um and that's why like foundations will give us money and that's why we can that's how we solicit donations uh but what that also means is that we can only pay ourselves like a wage that like is commensurate with um like if you were a company like what you know you wouldn't just like pay somebody a load of like money like you wouldn't just pay like a somebody who like did your your finances like 10 times what it was worth. So it's like a cap to what you could earn justifiably for that work. You know, and that's kind of how nonprofits work. There's no, once you have the rest of the money left, you have to either reinvest it in the art and like, so you could like make a new project with that money, but you can't just like say, oh yeah, look, we, we we uh, ended up $20,000 over this year. So I'll we'll just take a bonus. Like you can't do that. It's not, not allowed so interesting
1: cool mm-hmm. yeah i should right. make a
0: nonprofit. profit <laughs> yeah you could get my space you totally could uh you know you have to decide if it's you know it costs money to become a nonprofit too i think we paid about 400 bucks to get our status dang and so it's like you Is know they wanted to be some barrier so mm-hmm. that you're not just like anyone's like well yeah i'll just make everything a non-profit and then i don't have to pay taxes on whatever yeah. you still have to pay sales tax if you sell stuff so that's okay. why like if you sell your records like if that's the primary thing that you're going to be receiving, then, like, yeah, you got to. Hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense to be a nonprofit. So. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just never thought about that. And I've just um, something just about the, the managerial aspect, just dealing with mm-hmm. the paperwork and all that has been very prohibitive to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It should be, I mean, luckily it was easy for me because before I created that, I mean, oh, kind of in tandem with me creating it was that I was working in arts administration. So like, okay. uh, I I already kind of knew how all these things worked. I had to figure out some stuff because I hadn't done like an actual filing for a nonprofit status before, but like I knew how to run one once it started for the okay. most part. So you had so I worked as like a general manager at a place. I worked as yeah. a, um, Assistant Manager, at another place did grant writing, so like I knew how to. Grant get around writing it.
1: sounds to be like that's a hard thing. I know at at my school at Grand Valley, there was someone who had a whole semester class on grant writing, and I was like, damn, I don't know what that is, but that must be pretty like, uh, or like quite an ordeal if you have a whole semester on learning how to request a grant.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a form of writing, just like imagine like technical writing or formal writing, or there's like grant writing should kind of fit in with those because there's like a series of expectations of what you're going to like have to put in a grant. Um, and so I've, I've taken some courses on grantsmanship. They were like shorter courses, like two day. Um, but they kind of tell you like they were, they were really focused more towards like, um, science grants mm-hmm. but what's nice is that like the arts grant world is like much more informal than that so by having this training on the science grants like all my grants that i write for arts i feel like they're like so much more well structured huh. than most people that are submitting so it's all about it's competition you know you're yeah, competing yeah. against other people so like i get a lot of compliments about that typically in my writing that it's like oh yeah it just seemed like so like thoughtfully laid out and i was like well that's because <laughs> i'm you know trained to write them this other way oh that's awesome yeah but yeah there's things that like basically every funder wants to know about in any project you know and that's yeah, what like, am i
1: donating to basically
0: right and there's like a really specific formula even beyond that of like okay well you have to discuss what the scope of the project is like who is going to be affected by it and do you want to hmm. discuss like um, how you're going to evaluate the project? Like how do you know if it was successful? Mm-hmm. Um, what audience are you serving? Um, and then there's ways of course of describing actually what you're going to do itself, but that's kind of like the, what you're going to do part is actually just the beginning of the grant. It's like thinking about all these aspects around it is what makes it kind of uh, hmm. like, Yeah, I'm trying that's to what makes it competitive.
1: The, the, the point of view of the person giving the grant who's reading these, they probably, um, you know, you mentioned, for example, like who is impacted or the scope, you know, something mm-hmm. could be a statewide initiative or something could be, you know, just Chicago or something might just be, you know, a certain neighborhood. Um, those all have pretty different impacts, um, right. Different types of people that you'd be serving. Huh? Yeah. I think that, there'd be a lot of things to consider. And you know, if you if you're sitting on a big stack of Vanderbilt cash or something, you, you want to like, all right, let's see where, where I can get the, the biggest impact. <laughs> yeah. Or, right. or maybe it's personal and you're like, I'm looking to serve a specific audience. And you know, this, this grant happens to match up with what I, you know, or what our institution wants to serve.
0: Right. Well, these foundations, you know, they're also nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, And so they operate like that, which means that essentially they don't have to pay tax on all their like investment earnings, but that's because all that money has to go to charitable charitable purpose. So they also have to like try to maximize their own impacts. Hmm. So it's like the, the, the grantee the person who's receiving the grant is trying to justify that they're going to have impact and then the grantor is selecting people based on like how what impact they can show that they've had with their with their right. money so when it's like have a big their chain
1: fundraising dinner they can say we uh, you know your donations last year achieved this this and this
0: <laughs> yeah well i have to say like a lot of them they don't really have fundraising dinners most okay. foundations are like a rich family like put like a millions of dollars into a a fund like Mm -hmm. a trust fund i guess or a um an endowment of some kind and then what they're making the grants on is actually just the interest from that big so that it's it's self-renewing you know it's like i put 10 million dollars in and we draw you know we we make an average of like five percent a year oh. on that 10,000. So then I can give $500,000 in grants a year or and that also Man. covers the operation costs for the foundation. But when
1: when you have so much money that the money makes money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, make when the money makes significant money. Yeah. yeah. I, I always like wondered about the people who like win the lottery and then uh-huh. like end up broke later. Yeah. Um, I was like, the first thing I would do if I won, like let's say I won like $50 million in the lottery. The first thing I'm going to do is put $10 million straight into like, oh, the lowest risk investment (laughs) that I can. So like, and that's like a 1% return, like a, like a, some kind of like treasury bond or something, then great. I'll make a hundred grand a year forever.
1: Yeah. Just doing (laughs) nothing.
0: Yeah. Right. And then all the rest of the money it does, if I blow that, well, at least I've got this one thing that's going to make me a hundred grand a year. Right. Right. (laughs) I never quite understood uh like how that ended up happening, but I guess, you know people yeah. don't think that way. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's uh also it's just, you know, you're not it's uh you're not used to having that much money so fast, so you you have never thought about responsible ways to <laughs> allocate it, you know. Right. Um I think in terms of I'm just speculating, but in terms of rich people there are of course the people who are just born into it Mm -hmm. um in in which case they're kind of they're They're trained by association you know they grow up you know and and their parents tell them you know how to spend their money or they have someone that actually handles the money for them old money yeah exactly or you know maybe it's new money and you've worked really hard to get there and part of the fact that you have gotten so far is that you have been responsible with the money in the first place so the third category of rich people I guess through like the lottery they have none of this education (laughs) or background and they're like here you go and then they just blow it
0: right yeah
1: yeah
0: oh man yeah i guess it'd be hard not to blow it honestly because yeah. like the world is like the possibilities are limitless and so you don't know how to limit yourself
1: right huh <laughs> kind of like what yeah. we were talking about with this stimulus check because like well maybe i'll save a little bit maybe i'll Um, buy some gift cards nearby other people might just you know like all right i'm gonna go buy a playstation
0: (laughs) yeah right right yeah i did think about buying a new macbook with it um i got a my macbook is like it's fine it's like from it's a late 2013 model (laughs) but i'm a little worried because there was like a couple years ago it had its motherboard crapped out yeah and i i had to replace it but i i actually was able to talk a an apple person like a high i i got escalated Uh i guess up to like somebody in san francisco and they finally they actually gave me they did the the uh the repair for free it was gonna be like 600 bucks wow and i was like i just don't understand how these computers can be working fine. And then the next day just stop working Mm -hmm. and how that's like, okay. Like how, how does that look for Apple? Like that that can happen. Like it hasn't been dropped. Nothing's happened to it. It just one day stops working. And I, I said this to enough people that eventually the guy in San Francisco is just like, we don't normally do this, but we're going to give you a one time replacement of this motherboard. And so they did that, but I'm still worried like, Oh, that could just happen again. And then they're not going to give me one. Um, so I kind of like want to like have this computer, I, I wanna get an air, I think, because I don't I just saw they came out with a new yeah. one. I don't need the processing power necessarily on my everyday mm-hmm. computer. And so then I can just leave this one at home to do like, you know, recording stuff on or video editing and it's it's still got pretty good specs for being I mean the older one, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's only got eight gigs of RAM, which is the max you could get in it, and yeah. um it's a solid state, you know. Um oh, that's so it, it's pretty pretty nimble but i think i run too much on it all the time like yeah, for, yeah that's going to wear it down so like i should just make it my studio computer and have a new one that i tote around everywhere
1: yeah i've been kind of setting aside some money for a new computer as well i've i've always been an imac fan and um <clears throat> at in my my line of work my companies that hire me they always um give me a laptop as my work computer Mm -hmm. which I can bring home and it's not restricted or anything. I can put whatever I want on there. So if I wanted to, I could, you know, browse and watch Netflix and stuff on the laptop whenever I want. Um, So I've never felt the need to get a laptop, uh, like a personal laptop, although I know plenty of people who have. Um, Mm -hmm. I find, I don't know, when I'm doing stuff on the computer, it's more of a focused type of activity like this with, you know, we're recording all set up. I don't need to be on the couch for that. So, um, I prefer to get a desktop cause you get more power for the same price. Right. Um, and anyway, this iMac that I have is great. It's still, still running, but it's like six years old and, mm-hmm. um, it had eight gigabytes of Ram as well. I just, um, upgraded the maximum. I've got 32 gigs now <laughs> Wow. for like a hundred bucks on Amazon. You could get some new Ram sticks and with <laughs> the iMac, Uh, i don't know if you can do this with the laptop but the imac there's a little section in the back that pops open and you can stick in the ram cards
0: yeah Um, you can't on the on the macbooks okay so that
1: was pretty nice that'll uh, the plan here is i'm throwing a hundred bucks at it now to boost Mm -hmm. the ram and hopefully that can stretch me for another year and i'll have and i'll save during this year to get one of those new imacs and they're like 2500 bucks but
0: yeah pretty powerful yeah well i did i did just buy a new phone um i pulled the trigger i I just and i'm i'm like pretty i don't care a lot about what my phone can do Mm -hmm. i'm not like super high tech in that sense so i I just got a pixel 3a and it only cost me 300 bucks oh wow um so that's supposed to show up tomorrow not bad yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i thought this phone i mean that phone got such good reviews um for being like amazing for the price you pay for it Mm -hmm. and then i watched another review from january of this year like how is it holding up and they're like yeah this phone's still worth like way more than 300 bucks (laughs) you should like get it so i was like all right i'm gonna get it nice um if i waited like another month or two i could probably get a 4a (laughs) Uh but whatever i you can you can always wait a couple months and get a new better phone like yeah that's just the perpetual state now so
1: that's why I don't, I mean, I know people are on like other sides of this, but I, that's why I never pay for the phone outright. I just do it through the phone company cause like, uh, I'm going to have to do the phone bill either way. Like there's not going to be a scenario where I'm just independent and like I've bought the phone outright and I don't need Sprint anymore. So as long as I'm paying the phone bill, um, like I got this, you know, $1,000 iPhone pro, uh, 11 mm-hmm. pro or whatever. Wow. Um, And I'm paying, I think I pay like 30 bucks a month for the phone, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, it's not nothing, but I think uh, 30 times 12, that's $360 for the year. Mm -hmm. It's a thousand dollar phone. And you know what? After 12 months, that full year, I can upgrade at no cost. I can get the 12, mm. the 13, whatever comes out. So yeah. for for me, you know, my priority is like, I just always want to have like the latest and greatest things. So that's, that's <laughs> why I do that. Um, I've got other friends so They're like, no, you, you got to own it outright. You know, if anything happens, it's yours. And I understand yeah. that, but my, my priority is like just to have the latest thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm definitely on the other side of that from you. Uh, <laughs> I plan. I'm hoping like I drive my car until it won't drive anymore. I'm hoping I like use this MacBook until it won't go anymore. Yeah. Use my phone. I, I my phone I had before this is a Galaxy S7 uh-huh. that I got in 2015. <clears throat> Dang! So it's coming up on five years old. Nice. And it's just starting to have this battery issue when it gets a little cold, where it will go from like 75 percent to like two percent, like yeah, that. yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I don't want to be stuck without a phone, so <laughs> I finally bought another one, but. I hope I can use this Pixel Three A for at least like three years. Yeah, and then you don't have
1: monthly payments, so that's nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't feel bad only having spent like three hundred bucks on it. If in like a couple years I'm like, oh, I'll get a new phone again because I only spent a couple hundred or three hundred bucks on that phone. It's not Mm -hmm. like I spent like a thousand dollars on a phone and then I was like, but now I want to get another phone. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think
1: I would ever buy an iPhone outright because. Then, you know, like I would want to upgrade and I've already sunk a thousand into that one. Then I got to sell it to someone and good luck trying to sell an (laughs) iPhone after the new one comes out, you know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been trying to read this. I should, well, I guess it doesn't matter. It's a podcast. I was going to go get it. Um, this book, (laughs) Um, it's like, it's like the, uh, Bible of Buddhism, Buddhism. the, mm-hmm. um, the connected, complete connected discourses I'll have to hmm. find and, and sh- show it to you, but yeah, um, that's awesome. The connected discourses of the Buddha, I think. Um, anyway, I was just feeling particularly, you know, panicky and stressed out one of these nights uh with all this coronaness happening and mm-hmm. um i picked it up because i'd had it but hadn't really gotten around to looking at it that much and it was nice to just read something totally different and to try and understand it um and i don't know really how to take it yet it's it's funny just reading i've never i've read stuff about buddhism i've never read basically original source text on Buddhism mm-hmm. right and it is really boring <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, think, I'm not I mean, about to give it a ton of praise or anything like oh <laughs> this is a great read but it's one of those things where like it's really boring it's you can tell it's super old-fashioned you know circa 3,000 years or whatever but um it's interesting to kind of like get the the big picture and um also I mean, I never really read The Bible or anything so I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how it is with other religious texts but like it's massive you don't have to read it in order you can just flip it open and everything is just like it's like a log of all the teachings that he had and everything starts out with like one afternoon in the wild mangrove you know um shade the you know, the, the, the bhikkhus were sitting around and one asked this question to the Buddha, Oh Buddha, you know, if there is this and, and this is such as this, then how does it come to be that this happens? And then the Buddha like basically repeats the question. So your question is that because this and this, <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. Um, but I remember, um, in, uh, Oh, anyway, so it's a very self-contained, like, lesson, and then that's it. It does, it's no overarching story. There's no, you know, hero's journey or anything, right. of, like, you know, some attainment.
0: Um, <laughs> the Buddha hero's journey. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. He gets, gets to Mordor and
0: <laughs> he drops yeah. in the ring. <laughs> and then Buddha, uh, Buddha chopped the head off of the evil yeah. capitalist. <laughs> I, uh, like, exactly. I don't know what would do. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, there's just little vignettes, but... Um, The funny thing is that you, or it gets interesting in college, I I took a class about how to read those things. And they said that, um, this is before, um, writing and before books, it was oral history. And that's why there's so much boring repetition because Mm -hmm. typically they would say things three times in a row. And the monks had to memorize this stuff, th- these passages, and they would pass it on. And in order to pass it on and to like hammer it into memory, you know, there's so much repetition of, oh, the Bhikkhu asked the question thus, blah, 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 blah. And then the Buddha answered the question thus, blah, 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 you know, repeating it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, from a moment that's that. interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting, I, I hadn't really thought about that as much. Um, I was thinking like, at least with like the Bible, I always imagine that like, they wrote it the way they did so that you could take any quote of it and like, it would make sense as a quote. So like, there's a lot of repetition because like you have to kind of include the context mm-hmm. or sometimes not as we found with Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just take a, something out of context, but um, no, but you have to have the context there in order to use it as a pull quote, but yeah, you yeah. want to be quoting the word of God. So that means the word of God always has to conclude all kinds of context. <laughs> Must be really tedious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be God speaking and always having to put context into your. Yeah.
1: And I mean, <laughs> ma- maybe there are some more like interesting stories. It's a huge book. Like it's, it's probably like five inches or four inches thick. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it might have some interesting like parables and stories and stuff, but when I uh, f- flip it open, it's just like a two page little anecdote. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one, I guess, kind of funny in terms of like three thousand year old humor was uh, this. Um, there, there are these two guys who lived in a town. They're pretty well off, I think. And um, this one guy um, was a big fan of the Buddha. I mean, he wasn't a monk or anything. He was like a property owner, and he was telling this other guy all about the Buddha's teachings. And it struck him so much that he went off and became a, a monk and everything. Um, anyway, fast forward 10 years, like he hasn't seen his friend for 10 years since he went to go become a monk. And he comes across, you know, a group of these bhikkhus, which is their term for monk. Um, and the, or students sitting around discussing this thing about the Buddha and this wealthy householder comes up and, you know, he's kind of a armchair philosopher of Buddhism and wants to participate in the discussion. And, uh, and so they, they talk about they talk about whatever they're talking about for a little bit and then he invites them he invites all the bhikkhus to his house for alms, so he gives them food and stuff. Long story short, he recognizes one of the bhikkhus as this friend that he knew years ago. He says, Oh, are you, are you um I forgot his name. He's like, Are you this person or whatever? And he says, Yes, that is me and he's like oh wow this is so great he's like you may have you know anything you want you can have any of this food you can stay here you have free lodging you know uh you're, you're welcome to all of this or whatever and and the biku is like thank you that that is very generous and uh then they pack up their bowls and they go to bed for that night and then the story concludes um so and so woke up the following morning packed up his robes and and bowl and left never to return (laughs) <laughs> he just ghosted on his friend that he hadn't seen for 10 years. But, um, yeah,
0: but he did it wasn't attached. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was yeah.
1: a lesson about attachment and he wanted to also kind of, he was regarded almost as like famous by this guy. And so he wanted to go off and kind of just focus on Buddhism without being treated as special. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dang so that's a good story i like stories like yeah. that um i feel like there's like movies like that that happen as well and it's like oh and that's the end of the movie that's just what happened mm-hmm. and you're like oh okay i can i can, I can actually it. hang with yeah. those movies my partner hates those kind of movies yeah she, she needs the resolution well it's it's funny
1: the um i guess there's kind of a resolution but if you ever seen 2001 space odyssey uh-huh yeah so I think we've probably talked about this, but uh at least for the sake of the podcast, it's like one of my all time favorite movies and typically i'm I'm not the sort of person that likes to go back and rewatch movies. I think nowadays I've changed on that a little bit. I'll rewatch me you know, like Alien or whatever's just you know for fun mm-hmm. um but I used to just never go back. I thought, well, there's so many good movies, you know, why do I want to go see one again? I already know what's gonna happen, but two thousand and one was the first movie that i loved to watch multiple times not well i mean because it was great and because it was like really you know beautifully shot and all that and i liked the music and everything but because it perplexed me it was never like well-rounded in its conclusion it was mysterious and i didn't understand it so actually my lack of understanding was what kept me coming back because (laughs) i don't want to spoil anything for people but you know three quarters of the way through like in the climax there is a really trippy scene and the movie just shifts into something totally like out of this world and um each time I watch it I have like a different you know explanation I can apply to that and so I like movies like that that just kind of like leave you thinking
0: yeah yeah well the first time I watched that movie I think I started it at about 11 p.m. And so I finished it at like 2 a.m. or something. Yeah. And then, and then I I my eyes were just like super wide, and I was just like, I must Google all the things. So I like started <laughs> just like googling, you know. And I think I stayed up until like four or five in the morning, you know, uh, yeah. just like reading things about it. Um, I have not watched it again. I always thought it would okay. be a hard movie to watch again because, like, um, well, it's just really like long and slow, which is like yeah. I liked it the first time, but mm. I find I thought like, well, I don't want to watch this movie and get bored by it. But, um, maybe I should, you know, it's been like yeah. five or six years since I've seen it probably.
1: I, and I totally <clears throat> recognize that it is long and slow or as I, I prefer spacious. Um, yeah, right. When, yeah. when I, I
0: didn't mean that as a pejorative. Yeah, no, no, no,
1: But I, um, I, I set up, I set it up for my friends that I try to recommend it to. I'm like, you have to have not necessarily patience, but curiosity because Kubrick likes to create a lot of emptiness. And another movie that I think did this really well that made me think of Kubrick was, um, uh, there will be blood mm-hmm. Yeah, um, where visually there are a lot of vast camera shots, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of open space. Uh, in 2001, you know, you have like this like desert, like pre man, and then you, of course, have outer space, which is pretty vast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the sound, he creates these soundscapes that are, you know, very minimal dialogue. Like um, he uses Ligeti, which that's the f- first mm-hmm. time I heard uh, about Ligeti and, and went down that rabbit hole of being interested in this sort of like second Viennese school of mm-hmm. more, <laughs> more uh, non-traditional sounding stuff. But um, it creates this ethereal uncomfortable feeling in you and that's the point i think um so try to sit with it try to like you know look around the shot see what else is going on um and just you know feel that vast and empty kind of feeling because that's probably what the characters are going through especially if you're flying through space um, right. Yeah. So yeah, even though there's not a lot of talking, really a lot of the story is being created through that emptiness.
0: Yeah. It's not a good movie to watch if you want to like relax into a movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> like your mind should just be going kind of the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's Actually, intellectual. Yeah. I just watched the movie Ad Astra.
1: Oh yeah. I heard of that, that with
0: Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I, I really enjoyed the mood of the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I give the movie a, it as a whole a solid like maybe three out of five stars. Yeah, but I would agree. But the mood I get, the mood of it, um, and some of the things I contemplate, I was like, oh, that's really strong. Um, partially, like, like okay, so in this movie, man has expen- ex- extended itself from Earth, and now has like, you know, you can do like tourism to the moon, and you can they have the space um, elevator. Yeah. Oh, they have that's an antenna, it, I think, right? oh okay i thought it, i think it was oh, an yeah, antenna it was an with antenna. a giant ladder <laughs> okay
1: i was thinking of the if you're a big sci-fi nerd you have seen in different stories the idea of a space elevator
0: yeah um maybe yeah. it was also an elevator no but i think they called yeah. it an antenna at the time i don't know whatever okay. it doesn't matter Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they have that and then they they have um colonized mars to the extent that they have like uh, military bases there um anyway and so it really struck me as to like how humans had changed fundamentally um as a result well, some in some cases they were like lingering so? um, they're like lingering parts of humanity, but the l- people had become much more um non emotional hmm. and I think that maybe that like I was trying to ponder like why is you know all these people are like just kind of uh I kind of did like pick at, up on that
1: I thought maybe just the characters were supposed to be assholes.
0: <laughs> well i think i think everyone had just gotten a lot colder and, yeah. and, they're, and they're always testing for emotional response right like uh-huh. constantly like you have to like to be able to fly you have to be you know oh, right. pass us uh pass us like psychoanalysis kind mm-hmm. of and um and i thought like you know being in space that much might change the way you uh, it's the way you are because things in space are so hostile to humans that like it would fundamentally change your personality to be in space that much.
1: Well also kind of on the flip side, if you have much personality, it's going to be crushed by the isolation, um, and just kind of the close quarters of space living. So they might, Mm -hmm. they might also be testing, you know, just to make sure that you are very low key, that you're, that you're pretty like emotionally, you know, low, um, because if you are effervescent or buoyant or whatever in your personality, your spirits are going to be crushed if you're living out in a little space station for very long.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Also, you could just be pretty unpredictable. Yeah, you could go crazy. And what you really need when you're in space is predictability. Yeah. um, And then there was also the people on Mars, some of which who had been born on Mars and had only visited Earth like one time. And you could see in them like just like a total disassociation with the way that humans interacted on earth. Hmm. It was like the subset of like a a subculture of like humans, you know, they're Mm -hmm. they're still DNA is human, but like they, all the like dress and everything was different and everything was like very, like the self-expression had not really been much of a thing, which I could imagine being in a hostile environment like Mars, like how that would dampen your own ability to self-express. So like, Anyway, I just thought that, that part of it was, like, really yeah. cool to think about.
1: Uh, how long ago did you watch this movie? I don't
0: remember any of these details. Oh, it was, like, it was like two days ago. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I watched it maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, then uh, my partner and I had a long talk about it afterwards, which was really nice. Yeah. But, like, the plot for the movie, I would give, like, a you know like a two out of five. It was, like, not yeah. very great. Um, anyway. So, but I would recommend watching it only for the, that's why I gave it three out of five. So it's still recommended. It's like better than half.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't, I heard a lot of bad reviews. It wasn't complete trash. It was just a pretty thin storyline, but I, you know, I'll watch anything that's set in outer space. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, so you got me there and it was also, you know, it was shot well and, um, you know, some of the performances were pretty good
0: yeah and i think to tie it all back into kind of what you were saying that like i think the 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 style of the movie is what gave it had like a little bit of a saving grace because it was Mm -hmm. it was nice to about nice it was um interesting to be in that world for a while even if what happened was not what it was like kind of whatever or far-fetched or whatever you want to say it's like being in that world for a while was very thought-provoking so that's Mm -hmm. why it was worth the time
1: yeah for sure and i think yeah that's what i love about 2001 space odyssey is uh you know you're not going to have action and adventure although there is pretty some you know tense parts with the uh hal the the robot Mm -hmm. um but i think it's also really fun just to watch uh and see how much he got right in terms of predicting the future yeah, uh, right? It's like, you know, if someone were to create our present day, but through the lens of, like, 1960s design, you know, <laughs> instead of uh, instead of Alexa, you've got Hal and <laughs> all this kind yeah. of stuff.
0: Yeah, That's the funny thing. I think people always, like, it's incredibly difficult to predict what style will be like. Yeah, yeah. Like, people like, always get it wrong. Like, any movie phones, where there's, like right now we're well, doing zoom
1: and true. you know that that came true but in space odyssey they had a video phone but it was you know it was this station is you know fixed like the home phone used to be and it, you know mm-hmm. the screen says at t at the beginning and, and all that
0: stuff yeah like they yeah uh, our imagination can only go so far we can't quite get past like right. certain conventions um but in style too it's like what predicting what like fashion would be like like almost it's always wrong <laughs> like, yeah It's because how can you possibly like, you know, it's a creative thing. It's a, it's a momentary spark of inspiration that usually starts some fashion trend and then, so...
1: to hear your thoughts on if we were to draw an imaginary like line for a spectrum and our capability of predicting the future you have sort of the the more fixed elements of like you know maybe like what a a house will be like and then we have technology which is always changing but it's kind of on some some rails of like it, it has a direction pretty much um so we can kind of predict that but then Mm -hmm. you get to the more stylistic emotional things like fashion and fashion is a type of art or taste Mm -hmm. um every character in a movie has to have costume design but i and maybe i'm just not paying attention to it but i don't really see any like futuristic sci-fi movies that have visual art like paintings in the background or Music And I think music is weird, tricky one because you have the soundtrack to the movie, which is the, the audience's music, right. But Mm -hmm. then you have the music that the characters are interacting with, you know, inside the story. Mm -hmm. And I think very rarely have I seen a sci-fi movie attempt to do future music. The only example I can think of off the top of my head was, um, uh, shoot, what was it? The uh, the one.
0: <laughs> I have one that's coming to my mind. That's kind of funny, but
1: uh, man, it's uh, is Clive Owen, I think, and um, they can't have babies anymore. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I know it's Shuma, but I can't think of what the it? name of that movie is. Shoot, all right, I'll look it up. <laughs> Maybe and, I'll think of it. But but anyway, I was just thinking, you know, since you're in music all the time I wonder what you think about our ability to predict future music and have you seen any movies that you know at least attempt to do that
0: well the, the thing is <laughs> that if you try to predict future music what you've done is create contemporary music
1: <laughs> so well yeah I mean same thing with fashion right you know you could, right yeah although I guess you something.
0: could yeah well I guess music you could predict like what kind of music would be popular in the future but like once you create a music even if it's you're creating it for a future state you've now created something that people hear in the present day and so it's it can't really be future if that makes sense but you can create a stylistic prediction of what the future of music might what might be popular
1: that's true so like you can create you can create fictional technology like a spaceship um Mm -hmm. By showing an image of what the spaceship looks like and video of what the spaceship does, but obviously you haven't figured out how to actually build the spaceship right but like star you, wars <laughs> you can't you can't create a representation of art because art is the representation right yeah so yeah, exactly um, you, yeah you can't make a prototype of a song, um, you actually have to create the song.
0: Yeah. Interesting. What, what I've noticed in, in movies, um, well, there's one funny exception that I'll get out of the way first, which is that in the fifth element, uh, there's an opera oh, star yeah. that sings, and the uh, the music is kind of, like, interlaced with a more contemporary scene. I mean, that is not music of the future. That is, like, how music is anyway mm-hmm. uh, now. But that was an interesting depiction at the time they made the movie, I'm sure. Um, but there seems to be definitely a reduction of formality, um in all cases of music in any movies that are futuristic when you say formality um, do you like, mean the audience um,
1: or the structure
0: structure um like a lot of electronic music of course yeah um no barriers to entry so like you rarely see i guess you do see it sometimes people going to like the symphony or something but mm-hmm. i think most assume that that institution is going to not make it very far which i probably think is pretty accurate Mm -hmm. um with very few exceptions that are considered like museums in a way you know um but then you know usually it's a really like housey trancey kind of music is what you see that's usually the only situations you see the music in too is like people are like in like a nightlife scene in the future and there's like you know it's like the same way a nightlife scene would be now (laughs) really so so you
1: because you you hit on on that genre that that was the movie that I was thinking of, which is *Children of Men*.
0: Oh, yep. And mm-hmm.
1: there, I remember there's. I, it's been ages. I should probably watch this again. But um, there's this scene where like he drives up to someone's like hermitage, kind of in the woods, and he's blasting this, this you know aggressive kind of assault on the ears um i don't know what you would call it house acid something but um but the feeling is it's very it's just chaotic all over the place and it's loud um obviously it's based in the electronic music that we had at that time but um yeah i think what you said about the lacking of structure that was very evident they were like trying to go way far out into the future of just no um no formal type of structure so
0: yeah yeah um yeah i mean i think that's that's really interesting that that's the way they take it but i guess you know the the more formal you make it or the more structured then the more likely you are to just be totally wrong and maybe that's what people are worried about i don't know (laughs) yeah
1: i don't know i'd like to see people be wrong as long as it's inventive
0: yeah sure i'm trying to remember if the movie her had any instances of Artistic hmm. expression. Do you remember that movie? With I remember Phoenix? that movie. Yeah, but I remember that I, would be like I a, the a events, near future, not,
1: not the music.
0: Yeah. yeah, that would be like a near future um, representation. I should watch that movie again just see if there is yeah. any. I mean, they do like design. You can tell like design is really important in that movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it,
1: of course, like in Star Wars, they have like the Cantina band. Um, sure, you know. And I thought that was kind of interesting. They what they did there was they are using, you know. Uh, Structures that are familiar and, uh, you know, classic instruments, but the 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 aliens in the scene are mm-hmm. creating these familiar, like, oboe sounds or whatever yeah. on mm-hmm. sort of their alien version of that. So, what they've done is they've changed the physical instrument, but the sound they're producing is, you know, the same or familiar.
0: Yeah. Which I think total-
1: overall... overall with star wars i think Uh is kind of like this idea of like a parallel existence where like it's a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away yet you have Mm -hmm. these like you know two leg two arm two eyes humans and you know (laughs) right in in a lot of (laughs) parallels but yeah right and that allows
0: you the benefit too of having like different cultures that have advanced to different levels too and so like it doesn't have to just be super futuristic because like that's just not the reality like in this place like you know culture advances at all different speeds and um and there's probably they were probably doing cultural appropriation rob (laughs) they're appropriating (laughs) jazz music (laughs) for their setting which no i'm just kidding but um but yeah that's a really interesting thought um you could probably do a whole like that would be a great dissertation actually if you were in film if you were like in the film world to do like a dissertation on artistic uh representations in in future like in movies set in the future yeah i bet you could do a whole like book on that
1: (laughs) Hmm. and i could talk a lot longer too about the use of technology in sci-fi i have this whole book um actually it's really great um i believe it's called make it so start by preference (laughs) if anyone wants to look it up and it's interaction design lessons from science fiction so um they they basically do a survey uh, of different movies like Blade Runner and Star Trek where the character is communicating verbally to a computer and, you know, doing tasks like that. And so then they kind of summarize, like, what's similar, what's different across all these movies, um, what some of the assumptions are, and then what we can learn from that and um, how we can apply it to our design today. So, you know, in a way, the... um, people who are creating technology in sci-fi movies, you know, obviously it has to look futuristic, but there, there are designers who are being asked to sort of future cast, um, what this could be, what these interactions could be like. And, you know, they mm-hmm. don't have to think of all of the different scenarios. They just need to think about the thing their character has to achieve. But, uh, the point of the book I think is that these people have kind of, started you know shaving off a little bit of of the wood in in carving out this future technology and Mm -hmm. so when we're designing something like a smart speaker we don't have to start from scratch we can actually use that as a starting point and you know then it's on us of course to make sure that it works for real life scenarios um but there's still some stuff that can be learned from the the people who created those stories and um yeah so i don't know i just got off on this tangent thinking about what future music could be
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's good have you seen the movie the or not the movie the show the first no that's on uh, it's on hulu do you have hulu yeah so look this up it's a it's a it's a show about the first humans to go to mars huh that's cool but it's way more about the people than the the uh, actual like it's it's less sci-fi than you might think but uh-huh. what's cool is the the casual use of technology okay uh like personal technologies that are present in that show and how people use them um kind of seamlessly and it seems more natural as opposed to like the technology being like the front and center part it's like oh the technology is not the part to pay attention to right now but it's it is still interesting the way that they're using it and it seems seems a little bit more like practical mm-hmm. so it might be interesting to you to watch that yeah, yeah. I'll i'll look that up Add that to my and, list of stuff. And the score is by Colin Stetson, who is a, an awesome, awesome saxophonist and composer. I have not heard of him. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Colin Stetson.
1: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I like, I like good, good music and shows. And, um, yeah, man, now I want to do a whole other episode about sci-fi. Maybe we can keep this up next time.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: All right. Well, good chatting with you. We can wrap it up now if you want and yeah that
0: would probably be good gotta get back to all my the busyness of my stay-at-home life yeah (laughs) (laughs) well
1: stay safe stay home and uh yeah maybe maybe sometime next weekend
0: okay yeah definitely we can try to make this a regular sunday thing maybe cool
1: yeah sundays with alex
0: that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right talk to you later see you rob